Welcome, everyone. This is Sasha, Sasha Talks on Moving Mountains. Today, I'll engage a New York State licensed psychologist, cyber psychology researcher, and online safety educator. In 2009, Dr. Nushitelli finalized his online aggressor concept called iPredator. Since then, Dr. Nushitelli has educated and advised online users about cyberbullying, cyberstalking, internet addiction, and online safety. His online website called iPredator is public domain and free. The iPredator website can be reached by visiting iPredator.org. Welcome, Dr. Nushitelli, to Moving Mountains. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me on. I hope your listeners are both COVID safe and internet safe. So we crossed paths about four years ago, and you were very kind in educating us on how to coexist in cyberspace. And you fast forward to today, there are so many more social media platforms and activities taking place online, and you are here to share with us the latest developments of iPredator. Well, I would first and foremost, you know, by, by saying is that uh, the, the downside and, you know, of, of what's going in, as you and your listeners know, we are all in a COVID environment where the pandemic has caused all of us, not necessarily all of us, I mean, I still work all, every day as an essential worker, but for many of us to quarantine. And through quarantine, Many people, when they have a lot of time on their hands, unfortunately, not all of us, but a small percentage, the dark side of who we are comes out through boredom, through anger, and through frustration. So what we're seeing through the COVID pandemic and this quarantine is an increase in cyberbullying, cyberstalking, cybercrime, and even internet addiction slash also called internet use disorder. On your site, ipredator.com. Org. There are different services and tools available, and the one that caught my attention was the cyber stalking and the cyber crime. If you don't mind sharing how those two are related to one another and how they are distinct. Sure. Well, at the website and, and for your, your listeners, is everything at my website is free, it's public domain, and it's educational. So anyone is able to go there and download any of the information, uh, which you're mentioning, are 26 of my checklists and inventories. Uh, three of them happen to be related to cyberstalking. Uh, two happen to be related to cybercrime. And without getting into the finite details, the difference between my checklist and inventories, the checklists are for online users who are pretty sure that they're practicing online safety, they're practicing cyberbullying prevention or cyberstalking or cybercrime convention. And the checklist is essentially to check off, done that, done that, and done that. The inventory are, are phrased in more questions for inquiry. So if you're an individual, if you're an organization or a group, 
that want to learn if or what you need to do, you would do the inventories. But my recommendation is, since they're all free to download, is to download several of them and use them at your discretion. You're also talking about trolling around online. What would be the difference between an Internet troll and a predatory troll? Oh, that's a great question, Ms. The, the Internet troll, the classic Internet troll, which many of us, if, if anybody knows what it's like to be trolled, the classic definition of the Internet troll is an online user or users that look to provoke and flame. It's also called flaming, where essentially they're trying to anger you. And by angering you online, they feel a sense of ego boost. They feel pr- pride, as silly as that sounds. The predatory troll, which is a new phenomenon that has occurred over the last, goodness, I would say probably five to seven years, the predatory troll, him and or her and or their associates, it's not about getting you upset and angry online. They now both go after you to inflame a situation to get you upset, but now what they do and this has happened to me without going into the details, they go after your job, they'll go after your schooling, they will contact your family members, and they will do anything possible to engage in character assassination. And for many folks, it can be quite you know, unfortunate, particularly if the predatory troll is good enough to get their disinformation and slanderous content to show up in search results. So now Miss Sasha is applying for a job. They put in your name, the employer, not that they're supposed to, but we all do it anyway. And on you know, the bottom of the first page, there is a blog post with a series of images that are very defamatory to you, which could then lead to you not getting hired. For anyone who may have encountered a character assassination, how could their character be salvaged? Well, I don't want to say that it's difficult. The one thing, and I hate to say this because I am not a big believer in spending your life online, but I do believe for all of us, particularly if we are involved in you know, uh, following a career, if we're involved in academics, is to have an online presence. And an online presence doesn't mean you have to be an expert in blogging or websites, or, but what it means, an online presence would be, say for instance, um, I, I love pine trees, okay, I'm just using that as an example, um, is that I would have a blog and intermittently Dr. Mike would post images and post blog posts about the pine trees, particularly the ones, Miss Sasha, that are up in the Vermont area when it comes to the season, oh, and the smell. So by doing that and providing content about yourself and about your passion, what you do is you begin to create an online presence. From there, you would post those blog posts or those images or whatever you love, you would post them to your social media accounts. Now, that doesn't guarantee you're not going to get targeted or, or slanderous content. Is, it's, it's not going to totally prevent it from showing up, but it certainly can create a buffer. So if you feel you're, you're, you're being targeted and you're concerned about defamatory slanderous information, the first step is to begin to create an online presence. 
um, and not to go into a long-term speech, and depending on how severe it is, uh, it would then be the next step if you are actively being character assassinated. It would be, and unfortunately I hate to see this, you would, you would want to let your employer know. Uh, if you were a 20-something or a teenager living or still involved with your family, it would be letting your family know. Or if you're married and you have children, you would have to possibly let them know as opposed to keeping it a secret because if the eye predator slash predatory troll are truly out to hurt you, they will call your job, your family, your school, and they will do everything possible to character assassinate you. From among the populations that you serve, individuals and formal businesses, out of the individuals, what is the demographics, the age group that needs your assistance at this moment in time? Well, I would have to be anecdotal. Um, as I told you, Ms. Sasha, I have volunteered after work and on the weekends for the last decade uh, helping folks. I, I don't know how many, but I can say <laughs> there have been many, um, and they have been all ages. Um, I haven't been called by 15-year-olds, but I have certainly been spoken to and assisted parents and primary caregivers of those 15-year-olds. So predominantly, I would say overall, the most folks that call me are, are adults, and they are, they are being Internet defamed character assassinated. A good percentage of them are being cyber harassed, or, or the worst case scenario uh, is cyber stalked as it relates to uh, being threatened online. Now, within the world of victimization, those that come to you for guidance, do, how often do you come across those that have put themselves willingly in the shoes of being a victim and you have to guide them through the process that you're not being victimized, you're putting yourself out there knowing what's going to happen? That's another excellent question, is the one thing I try to encourage, both in the educational content, every other day throughout my social accounts, I put out two educational images, my novice graphic design skills, uh, which are free to anybody, but I put them out there. But what that comes down to is the less personal information you share online is the best. Now, obviously, if you are a public figure, if you're known in your community, oftentimes you have to give out personal information about yourself. So the recommendation there is, is if you are a public figure, it is providing as less as possible as you can. Because unfortunately what happens is the eye predator uh, what, what we fail to understand is that the, the cyberbully, the cyber harasser, the cyber stalker, the cyber criminal, the online child predator, these individuals spend an inordinate amount of time online. And not only are they expending a lot of energy, a lot of effort, sometimes they're spending money to obtain information about you. And then we have the overlay is as if, not that they all are, they could be, you know, psychopathic, uh, they could be access to personality disorders, and they could just be bad people. Um, they can also be individuals, oftentimes, uh, the ex-husband, ex-wife, the ex-people that you have recently ended, you're, you've engaged in an adversarial relationship they too, out of retribution and revenge, want to get back at you. So what they now do is they do whatever they can to slander and defame your name.
Out of all of these offenders, how many of them see their time in court? Uh, I would say, oh, good, it's truly unfortunate for me to answer this. I would say very few. Uh, again, I do not take, and all the folks I've helped and all the, re, there is such a variation when you're studying online about, you know, who gets caught. Um, you know, what I can say, the vast majority of I predators uh, are not caught. Uh, the vast majority of I predators, although I've been asked, they're on the dark web. No, they're not on the dark web. They're on the regular Internet. And unfortunately, even though we're 40 years into the information age, we still, and this includes not just the United States, but most industrial, well, all industrialized nations, there really isn't a, a mechanism or system for identification, accountability, and then apprehension, and then conviction slash punishment. I mean, I am a huge believer in what's called criminal defamation as a legal statute, but that doesn't exist. So here we are, and in America, as you know, under the First Amendment freedom of speech, people are afforded the, the luxury of basically saying whatever they want about you and then posting it online. The problem is, is that... We live in the information age. Now, in a pre-information age world, prior to, let's say, 1983, if I want to defame you, I had to maybe, you know, I would tell my friends, I would tell my community. If I was lucky, maybe I could get a small ad in the paper. Um, so in the pre-information age world, when folks were looking to defame one another, it was, it was contained to a small area. But now, with the information age and social media, not just my region finds out, but my state, my borough, and depending on how successful, the entire country, thousands of people can find out about, you know, disinformation is inaccurate information about me, which then ultimately affects my reputation and really, I've learned and I've helped folks their, their ability to thrive in their job and in school. What guidance do you have for individuals, whether they're young teenagers, post-collegiate age, or working adults who believe that just because they paid for a piece of technology, whether it's a phone or it could be an iPad or a laptop, whichever technology they use to interact with cyber, within cyberspace, it's their right to do what they please without any ramifications. And that's a bit of an ignorant and naive way of looking at things because the ramifications can be very harsh. Everything is shared through various technological portals, and once it's out, it's out. Well, yes, and, and again, I, don't, I won't give you her exact name um, because I volunteer, but you know, a couple of years ago, we'll call her Lydia. Okay, and I, uh, you know, she had called me, and I, and I've used this example often because it's so fascinating. Um, well, it's not fascinating. I, I'm sorry, but it's not fascinating. Is that on Facebook, uh, Lydia had basically announced over the course, I would say, four to five weeks, that she was going to be going to the Jersey Shore for vacation for ten days to two weeks which she did do, and when she came back, guess what? Her entire house was completely, ram not ransacked, but, you know, was, they broke in and they stole an incredible amount of, of her goods. 
Um, so when you think about that, and again, I've used this example over and over again, when Lydia was talking about this, um, you know, on Facebook, she didn't think that her profile on Facebook, as you know, the, the privacy setting was set to public. So she didn't know, okay, because she hadn't read, not that she's expected, but she didn't know that other people would be reading her, her information. She didn't take the time to think that she's sitting here writing multiple posts about where she's going, how long she's coming, what day she's leaving, what day she's coming back. She never thought that it could lead to somebody breaking into her home. Unfortunately, it did happen, and it's truly a travesty. Now, the children as young as five who have their access to their devices and parents are responsible for overseeing what goes on these devices, have you come across any cases where the parents are negligent and even the parents should not be trusted with technology? Well, that, um, oh, that's a, boy, you asked some great questions, Ms. Sasha. I remember our, our last interview. Um, Again, I, I am, I am a, a single man. Uh, I don't have my own children, but I have worked as, as a psychologist. I have worked with families for the majority of my life. Presently, I work with the chronically mentally ill, but uh, I have worked with families. Oh, I've, I've done parenting, the whole nine yards. In the information age, unfortunately, at this time, Many parents, adults, are, let's say, not all baby boomers because the baby boomers are now grandparents, but many of the parents are X-Gen, X-Generation, kind of like me. Um, and we were brought up, I don't know how old you are, Miss Sasha, but we grew up, when I was young, I didn't have the Internet. I mean, when I was a teenager, we had the little square beepers in order to, and that was, woo, that was real, you know. And then when I was a little bit older, we got the big cell phones were about the size of a shoebox. So parents presently, they did not grow up with technology. Not to say that they're not responsible, but not only do many adult parents not know about uh, technology, they assume that their children are going to tell them everything. Now, even in a pre-information age world, back when I was young helping parents, I would still tell them, your children are not going to come to you to tell you if they've been bullied, if they've stole something, if they've They're not going to do it because part of the developmental process for a child and then once they become prepubescent and then adolescent is to not go to adults. And where do they go? They go to their peers. So adults, parents need to understand that in the information age, when we have Snapchat and TikTok and, and Instagram for, for young people, the, the, the child is not going to go to the parent to talk to them on a regular basis about their online activities related to that. So that is the first recommendation for parents is to basically, no matter what you think, your children are not going to come to you and be forthright. Even if you talk to them about it, uh, they're not going to tell you really what's going on because it's part of their development, part of the adolescent psychology. You're an adult. You're not cool anymore. Under safety, you also provide the 100 parenting tips. How did you come up with 100, and which one would be the top two other than the ones that you just shared with us? 
I'll give you the top, the the first one that to me is is the most, if you can see, because that one in and of itself includes about five to ten of the other tips, and I call that digital dinner. And digital dinner is, and I don't want to say theatrics, Miss Sasha, but essentially the parent, and hopefully the, the children of the parents aren't listening to this broadcast, but the parent kind of has to act ignorant slash dumb. And they set, let's say, every Wednesday. Every Wednesday we sit down, the, all, you know, as many as we can together, and we order pizza. And the children come to learn that that's digital dinner. Now, on this Wednesday, as we're sitting down eating digital, uh, you know, during digital dinner, the children are told that it's digital dinner, and the parents take on a role of being ignorant. So, what is this Snapchat about? What is, so, the, so the parent, even if they're PhDs in technology, they have to take on a naivete so that the child feels comfortable enough to be able to slowly but surely open up about their online world. And with time, it may, depending on the child's temperament, eventually the child will begin to share aspects about what they're doing, what their friends are doing, which is very important online. And I call it digital dinner. The most important piece, though, is that it has to be called. If you don't want a digital dinner, you could come up with a different way. But the child has to know that a, a certain every week or every other week, the child has to know this is the time we're sitting down, it's laid back, and it's not a parent-child session. If anything, it's almost a, uh, the opposite, where the child is the teacher and the parent is the student. Earlier on, you referenced the different social medias that do exist. In your professional opinion, which social media platform breeds the most problems in your practice? Well, I would say right now, um, again, it, it, oof, that, that, that's a tough one because I, I, I certainly don't have statistics, massages. I can only, you know, base it on anecdotally. But for young folks would be, you know, right now uh, would be Snapchat. And TikTok is kind of hard because that's all video, but we'll see what happens with that. As you get to the late teens, early 20s, the big one that's, uh, you know, is Instagram. Um, and then as they get a little bit older, the Instagram also includes Facebook and then oftentimes uh, uh, Twitter. So th the thing is that I want your, your listeners to understand is that it's not about the social media. The first thing that needs to be looked at, particularly as it relates to children, but also for us adults, it's not the amount of time that we spend online. I mean, goodness gracious, I, I spend a lot of time online. All my therapy notes are, are online. I show many of my patients, you know, whether it be, you know, bipolar disorder, educational videos on YouTube. I spend a lot of time online. What, what, what online users have to understand to differentiate whether they're just online users or they're becoming Internet addicted is if they begin to suffer negative consequences. For young people as well as young adults, online gaming disorder, the addiction of that has become problematic. Well, we all know that online gaming is a multi-billion dollar industry. And there are folks that will online game for 12, 15 hours a day, every day. And the thing that needs to be measured for all of us is are we suffering negative consequences from our online time? 
Am I getting in trouble with my job? Am I failing in school? Is my husband or wife confronting me? And on and on and on. So it's the negative consequences of our usage that will define whether you need to take a step back with your relationship with information communication technology. In your work, you also reference that cyberspace is the extension of cyberspace. If you could expand on that. Well, it's, uh, so that's, that's a philosophy. I'm still working on that one as well as all the philosophers. Cyberspace is an extension of human consciousness. Um, and this goes back, this deals with my, and again, we're at the beginning of the information age. We're at the beginning of a period of history. Now, how long the informational age will last, I believe it will be hundreds of years. Uh, I believe what will be next as a subset of the information age will be maybe artificial intelligence age or, or yeah, uh, you know, virtual reality. Those two components, artificial intelligence and virtual reality, with each passing year is going to be more and more advanced. And as it becomes more advanced, the more the human condition, our lives are going to change, and then obviously human consciousness. Now, when I say cyberspace is an extension of human consciousness, I can't, I obviously I can't prove it's happening, but when you take into consideration cyberbully side. Cyberbully side is when a child takes his or her own life because of the negativity and the exploitation and cyberbullying that's going on online. What I believe is, and, and psychologists, developmental psychologists know, is that there, you know, prior to puberty, the prepubescent and puberty, that time anywhere from 10 all the way to 16, 17, is identity formation, is when we as humans, we individuate from our parents and we essentially become, I guess you could say, adults. I believe, I can't prove this, and hopefully someday there will be some type of research, is that today's children, because they are so enveloped by social media, information technology, mobile device technology, that I believe it has direct impact upon identity formation. The question is, Ms. Sasha, is whether or not that's going to be beneficial or detrimental in the long haul. Now, personally, I am an optimistic, but I still have to believe the longer I am spending on my little smartphone and the less time I'm outside or spending time face-to-face -face with my friends and my loved ones, I have a very difficult time seeing that being adaptive and beneficial. But again, I, I'm not going to fatalize all this, um, but that's just my personal belief. As we start to wrap things up, how do you forecast the next five years of cyberspace? Do you believe that various countries are going to ex exercise stringent measures to protect their own citizens? Because if you leave it up to the masses, social media has no ceiling, and with that also comes the ramifications that just run a permutation of all types of events. Wow. Thank you, Doug. That's, that's another good uh, Again, what we have to take into consideration is the, the pandemic. I mean, as everybody knows, it, you know, the last pandemic, you know, the world has had was 1918 with the influenza and many, but they didn't have information technology. We are now in the middle of a global pandemic to where 
people are being forced to be quarantined. They're being forced to, to spend time alone by themselves. Again, I can't prove that, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm making a hunch that there is going to be an increase in cyberbullying, and as I said earlier, cyberstalking and cybercrime. If this is true, once COVID, we've gotten out of the clear for that, a year has gone by and the COVID cases are hopefully non-existent, I have a feeling that, you know, industrialized nations that will have to re- take a look at, you know, what it means to freedom of speech, what it means to, you know, disseminate hateful information about other people, about other organizations, about other belief systems. Um, I mean, if, if I could, Ms. Sasha, if, I mean, my goal is before I drop dead is at least in the United States school system, just like when I had to take health class, uh, wood, class wood shop and metal shop, I believe it needs to be compulsory, an educational requirement, I mean, I believe K through 12, but I'll even stick with high school, that children are all introduced to the concept of digital citizenship and how to conduct oneself online because it is children who are going to be, going forward, spending an increasing amount of time online. And goodness, goodness gracious, now that we're in this COVID environment, well, what do we have? Which I understand is the VLE, the virtual learning environments. So now the brick-and-mortar school, for now, is taking a back seat to online schooling. So you take into consideration the amount of time children are spending online for schooling, then you throw in the amount of time they're spending outside of school doing their social uh, networking, well, you can then easily conclude that young people are spending and will continue to spend an awful lot of time online. And what is the downside of that? Is it is less time they're actually outside in the beautiful sun and dealing with real people in real circumstances. Because I want your listeners to know, and this is very important, this is quite Carl Jung, is that Everything we see and we perceive in line oftentimes is but a fantasy. I have worked with people who have had online relationships and have felt that they were in love, but yet, you know what, not only does that love interest live across the country, they've never met them face-to-face. That is just <laughs> one example out of hundreds, if not thousands, People, and I can't, and this is kind of goes back to what we, you asked before about cyberspace as an extension of human consciousness. I still, and I study this, I can't understand where if you and I are offline and I insult you offline in front of your face, of course you would be upset. You may be mad. You may slap me. Okay, so it's offensive. But for some reason, when it's done online, it's not only offensive, but it's deeply psychologically penetrating. Not in all circumstances, but for some reason, which I can't understand why yet, is people take it to heart when they are slandered, when they are character assassinated, when they are defamed online, as opposed to when it occurs offline. And I don't understand why yet. So for any of your listeners would like to let me know, I would love to know. 
And finally, in your professional opinion, do you believe that the communication skills of people have been compromised or some of them have improved their communication skills within the realm of cyberspace? (laughs) Well, goodness, I could tweet. Well, if I'm going to tweet you, I only get 240 characters. And it wasn't too long ago. It was only what? was 140, no, it's 280 now, it was 140 characters now. Communication, what's called interpersonal skills, dynamics, and skills, those are definitely going to be compromised as we go through the information age. Because what is the one thing that we do not experience in online uh, exchange, we don't get to learn about and see, feel, hear, smell, nonverbal communication, and another person in real life. And that is so valuable because guess what? We are social creatures. So whether you subscribe to the notion of a divine entity, whether you believe in evolution, we all have to agree we are a packed, whether you want to say animal, folk, we are social creatures with social media, which is funny that they call it social media, what social media and the Internet is doing is slowly but surely whittling away and causing a disconnection of the importance of being socially close to one another. Dr. Nuccitelli, thank you for sharing your insights today. Please share with the audience how they can connect with you. Sure. Well, anybody can go to my website. That is www.ipredator.org. And please know everything is free, anything you can download. And uh, all I ask for folks is that they, they just think a little bit about what you and I have talked about. And even if you think everything I've said is rubbish and you don't like my information on my website, is Google online safety or, or online safety for parents. Spend a half an hour a week, if not a month, just searching and learning a little bit about what it means to be, you know, to practice online safety, digital citizenship, and how to reduce, how to practice what's called cyber attack prevention. Thank you, Dr. Nutritelli. Always a pleasure crossing paths with you, and I do believe that in the future there's going to be more material for you to share. (laughs) Well, hopefully not massage, but I think that's going to occur, unfortunately, but thank you. Thank you.